Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Well, hey there. How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the board games that we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... Definitely a board game podcast. The Tabletop Bellhop. The Cardboard Kid. Dice and Dragons. Mozart Games with Chris. The Maple Dungeon, Friday Night Games, and Cardboard Conjecture. And remember to check out the show notes to the links to the What You Been Playing Wednesday cast. Sit back and enjoy. Hello, I am A. Aaron Milich. And I'm Royce Calverly. And we are definitely a board game podcast. A podcast definitely about board games. Except when they're not. And we're back on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. So, Aaron, what you've been playing this Wednesday? Well, Royce, I'm glad you asked. I played... Why did you say my name like that? That was weird. Like what? I don't know. You just said Royce. It was weird. Okay, anyway, (laughs) what have you been playing? (laughs) I have been playing a game called The Little Big Game of Word Maven. By the Little Big Game Company in 2005. And technically, I'm lying. I've only played it once. So what ended up happening is I went to the cottage. And we have a whole bookshelf of games up there that no one ever plays anymore. And I thought, I like word games. Let's give this one a try. And if you've played Boggle before, you've kind of already played the Little Big Game of Word Maven. It's basically a cup of dice, word dice, and you roll it and you roll the dice and there's like an extra vowel die and you're allowed to re-roll the dice if you wish uh, and you're supposed to make words with the dice that you roll. And the first one to 3,000 points is the winner. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds right, right, so far. So I went first and my wife kept track of all the words that I wrote down on her phone. She wrote out how how many letters were in each word. That's what you're supposed to do. And so I rolled once and I decided to do one re-roll and the letters I got were P-L-A-I-N-S. And of those, I was able to come up with, I think it was about almost 40 words. (laughs) And that got me over 3,000 points and the game was over. I actually won on the first turn. My wife said, great, let's put this away and never play it again. So I don't know if I could recommend the little big game of Word Maven because uh, I won on the first turn. Well, I can definitely recommend you don't play Earn with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, was over pretty quick. So I think maybe if they made it like 10,000 points, 15,000 points, you at least get five or six turns in there before it's over. Be a good idea. 
but yeah, I don't think they were really thinking about it when they um, when they came up with the rules for this game. So uh, you could try it if you see it. it. It's probably hard to find at this point, but there are better word games out there. Letter Tycoon on uh, BGA, for example, um, much better. But up to you. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> let's talk you... about a good game. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, why not? All right, so we don't normally talk on, about games that are in Kickstarter right now, but uh, Daniel Newman of New Mill Industries is uh, a friend who has sent me an advanced copy of their new game, Reapers. And I really kind of wanted to talk about it because it really is a fantastic trick-taking game. Awesome. It's very different but at the same time still feels like a classic trick-taking game. It doesn't differ so far that people would sort of get turned off by all the changes. There's really basically two big changes. The first one is the uh, draft at the beginning. You draft your hand. So instead of just being dealt a hand of cards and then playing as best you could, you actually can like create a strategy and pick the cards that work well together. That's cool. And the other one is the scoring. And when you win a trick, you get... You don't get like all the cards in the trick. You only get the lowest point value card in the trick. Nice. So if everybody played a nine and seven and eight, and then someone else tucked a two in there and you won with the nine, you only get two points. And you Ooh. wasted some big cards doing that. Which is great because when I play classic trick taking games, I'm always like <sighs> three nines, one ten, one jack. <laughs> I'm out. Do whatever you want. I'm not playing this round. It doesn't matter, right? It's always the really low numbers mean nothing. In this one, it's actually a strategy to have some low numbers in your hand to toss away when somebody's going to win that trick so that you can, you know, let them win, but they get very little out of it where you can get the big wins. So Love Reapers, fantastic trick-taking game. It's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, if at the time of this uh, episode's drop, I believe it's been up for about a week. I'm sure it's already funded. I'm sure it's ready to go. New Mill Industries is a small company. It's what Kickstarter was meant for. They really only do a few hundred copies of their games in a single run. Every game they've done up till now has been excellent, and Reapers is no different. Reapers, an amazing game. Look them up on Kickstarter. Reapers by New Mill Industries. Awesome. Sounds really good. And that really is an interesting take on a trick-taking game, all those different elements you talked about. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I think you're really going to like this one, Eric. Yeah, I think I will. I love trick-taking games. So if you want to hear more about great games and terrible games, you should really come over <laughs> and listen to us on Definitely a Board Game Podcast. We are everywhere where podcasts live. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find us anywhere. And if you ever want to talk to us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at definitelyboard at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at BoardDefinitely. We're also on Facebook at Definitely Board. And we have a guild at Board Game Geek. Definitely a board game podcast. You can find us there. Anything else, Royce? Not a thing. Say goodbye, Royce. Goodbye, Royce. Bye, everybody. and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzno, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. You can always find me at tabletopbellhop.com and all over the internet and social media as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me to answer, 
Be sure to send that to questions at tabletopbellhop.com or visit the webpage I just mentioned and click on Ask the Bellhop. Now, of course, the question I'm answering today is, what you've been playing this past week? Well, I guess not, of course, since last week was a special episode, but this week we're back to the games we've been playing recently. So up first, I tried out the solo mode in Tapestry from Stonemaier Games, and I've got to say it's solid. Really solid. It was also surprisingly quick. Not only is this a great option for people who don't have other people to game with, this is also a great way to try out the various civilizations in Tapestry and see how they work in play. Now, amusingly, during my first game, my wife came down and took some pictures of me playing for our review and got rather invested. Then, when done, she sat down and played solo herself. Now, I do have to say she didn't enjoy it as much as I did, but she did admit it did work. It's just that she would rather play with other people and probably wouldn't play this solo over something else, like playing video games or just working. Now, overall, we are still loving Tapestry and playing it at least once a week right now. I don't know how long that'll continue, but we are definitely loving this game. Now, our next gameplay happened to be at a pub on a patio with other people there. This was our first time out of the house and eating out since February 2020, and it was really nice to get out. It just felt good. And the place we went to was awesome, a place called the Thompson House. They were great about spacing people out and being cautious, mask wearing, and all the things they should be doing. Now, normally when I go to a pub like this, I bring a physical game with me. It's things like the Duke or Onitama or Patchwork. But this time, I wasn't even sure we were going to get a seat. It was a Friday night on a, on a, uh, at a patio. So I wasn't sure, but we, so I didn't bring anything with me. Now, thankfully, I do have a number of board game apps on my phone, apparently one of which was Takedo. I guess it was free at some point at the start of the pandemic on the Google Play Store, and I must have grabbed it then, because there it was on my phone. Now, after a rather long and annoying tutorial, which was only annoying because I already know how to play the game and I know it well, we played around, and I've got to say this app version of Takedo is awesome. Not only does it play well and take care of all the math and fiddliness and make sure you don't mess up your score, it just looks amazing with fully animated graphics of your actual characters walking down the Takedo and running into strangers and even seeing if the monkeys show up during your hot bath. Now, I don't know how much this app normally costs, but I strongly recommend checking out the Takedo app. Now, finally, we got in our first game of Unfair using the first expansion. This is the ABDW expansion or the Alien B-Movie Dinosaur Western expansion. Now, since this was our first game using it, we were playing four players. We decided to add two of the new sets of cards in, and we settled on trying the Dinosaur and Western cards, and I want to share a little bit of thoughts on each. First up was the Western theme deck. This one's awesome. This has some great ways to expand your park, including a way to even get a second showcase in play. There's a good variety of attractions and lots of quality-focused upgrades. The actual Western theme upgrade lets you build a quality upgrade for free. Now, the only real funky new rules for this deck involves panoramas, which you don't use unless you're using the B-Movie deck, which we weren't. So no special rules for using the Western deck. I honestly think the Western deck should be included in most games, just to add some balance and stability to the decks. And even the designer of the game now recommends using this one when teaching the game to new players. If you're playing a two-player game, you do Western and something else. If you're playing three Western and two others and so on. So even the designer obviously designed this game to be simple and easy to use and easy to integrate. Now, the dinosaur deck, on the other hand, I wasn't a huge fan of. Though I can totally see people loving it, just not me. So the dinosaurs themselves are actually upgrades that you add to other attractions. 
And you can only add one dino to each attraction. If you ever end up with two of them together, the larger dinosaur eats the smaller, removing it from your park. Not a good thing. Now, the problem with the dinos is that at the start of every round, before you even start the event step, you've got to roll dice for every dino you have to see if it rampages. And when this happens, they shut down rides, they move to other rides, potentially eating other dinosaurs, or try to escape your park, depending on which dinosaur it is. So what this all turns into is the dinosaur deck is very much a high-risk, high-reward deck. And that random risk just wasn't for me. I had a T-Rex rampage two turns in a row that basically put me out of the running from possibly ever being able to win that game of Unfair. And that's just not fun for me. Now, if you do like taking chances in games, and you like pushing your luck, and you like that chance of getting tons of stuff, but maybe everything going horribly wrong, you'll probably love dinosaurs. Just wasn't it for me. So that's it for this week. Those are the games that hit my table. Be sure to come back next week, though, because I've got a big one. I'm going to have a ton more plays to talk about after hosting Sean Con at my house, where we played 11 different games. But that's next week. Now, you can find lots more of my gaming content at TabletopBellhop.com and on the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which we record live Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at Twitch at twitch.tv slash TabletopBellhop with edited episodes showing up on your podcatcher's early Tuesday mornings. I also welcome you to join us for Sunday Brunch with the Bellhop at 1 p.m. This is an unscripted show where Deanna, Sean, and I just hang out and interact with our chat room on Twitch, talking about gaming and geekery. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good night and game on. cardboard kid if you don't know me i'm 11 years old and i've reviewed games on youtube since april 2017 i've close to 300 reviews plus dozens of interviews and features my latest was the key murder at the oakdale club i'm not sure if i'm going to keep making board game videos or board game anything really but i wanted to record a few more what you've been playing wednesdays to talk about well what i've been playing we recently received our Crash Octopus Kickstarter and have played it a handful of times with three and four people. First, I love the theme and how it looks on a table. In games, games often have a look, and this looks incredible. We were interested in, the, in this the moment we heard it, a flicking game where you're trying to collect treasures and stay away from the nasty octopus who wants to knock your hard-earned loot off of your boat. It's... Well, a nasty game. We aim to destroy each other when dropping that die off the octopus, hoping that it'll crash into someone else, and this is a hard game to talk about since so much is tied to the visual look of the constantly changing play area, plus the moment you're in when it's your turn. Is it the best flicking game in the market? Probably not. Is it a game of strategy and patience? Absolutely not. Is it a blast to play? Oh yeah. We've played Disney Villainous a few more times now, and while I still wish it could consistently be played a bit quicker, I still really enjoy it. The base box has twice as many characters to experiment with than the Expand Alones, so it's still my first recommendation for those new to the series if you have more than three people in your group, or maybe even if you don't. Our friend Ariel wasn't feeling up to running D&D after our second vaccination, so Dad stepped in with another Call of Clulu game. 
we um, didn't do so well. He gave us five or six options on what to do, but we hadn't in our heads that something else was important. Like, for six hours. He said he didn't mind improvising things for us to do and coming up with clues to encourage us to learn about the actual mystery. But we were like that meme with a guy looking over his shoulder at another girl. That's giving us clue after clue, and we're like, ooh, what's this thing we've already looked at? That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates on what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kid. For weekly reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kid. Please stay safe. Happy gaming! What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dice and Dragons. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dice and Dragons, and on Twitter at Dice and Dragon. And what is this segment, Jason? It's What You've Been Playing Wednesdays. And what are we talking about? Well, we've started our campaign of Descent Legends of the Dark by Fantasy Flight Games, designed by Nathan Hadjik and Kara Cantel Dunk. Now, for those of you that haven't seen a, a lot of the discussion about this game, this is an app-based game for one to four players, or two to four players. You gotta control more than one hero. So <laughs> but as most, as like most cooperative games, you can play solo, and it is an app-based game, which has a lot of people on the internet in an uproar. For some reason, we like app-based games, and uh, so far this experience has been a good one. I do want to stress, though, this is not Descent 3rd Edition. This is an entirely new game, and it's got a lot more in common, I would say, with Journeys in Middle-Earth, in terms of how you're going to be interacting with the game and Mansions of Madness, but you still have a lot of that feel of Descent to this one. Well, yeah, because that's definitely not hobbits and goblins and orcs. You know, there's Well, there are some orcs. We don't have any. There are some small people. It's a very similar fantasy world, but, I mean, you've got your surges, you've got your fatigue... You've got, yeah. I do you know, say I have, get, I have to get used to the different types of these different types of dice and and seeing stars and pluses. It doesn't that doesn't feel like descent to me, but that's just me. I would have liked to have maybe seen a little bit more of these classic iconography on the dice, but I do like the dice. I don't have any complaints about them. No, I mean, yeah, I, I. I'm going to start with the negative because there's a lot more that I like about it. I'm going to say I don't, I'm not a big fan of the art, um, like the character sheets. I'm looking. Uh, I want to step in quickly just because I'm going to agree with you. I don't like a lot of the art, but some of it I really like. Like Cirrus, the human prodigy's art, I really like. I think he looks really good. And I like the art for Bryn. The uh, the Marshall uh, uh, It's Avenger. funny. I was going to say I don't like Bryn. I don't mind, Gal I don't mind Galadin. I I find Galleon's face a little just off-putting, but I, I like Bryn. Anyways, uh, I'm not a, the hugest fan of, of the art. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I do, however, think it's really cool. Like, we're looking at the the first campaign in front of us uh, right now, and I think it's really cool that uh, we've got the uh, the trees and the, the, uh, the arches, and there's this little well in front of us. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, we have a Cine Tempore, which also has a three-dimensional terrain. Unfortunately, we have had that one for a while and haven't had a chance to really dive into the campaign. 
But the big difference with the scent is the, the elevation, the different levels. That we don't have anything at all like it. I mean, we're looking at the board right now and we're going up into a watchtower, which I think is just very cool. Yeah, so, so far, I mean, it it kind of sort of feels like the scent, uh, but not really. I would no. say I, I am not, I'm enjoying the game so far. I mean, we were not that far into it, uh, but it's it's not it's not the Descent Second Edition that, and I I'm gonna say because we remember we played Second Edition just recently. Uh, this doesn't feel like Descent to me. No, it feels like a new game. It feels very much like you're in the world of Terranoth. You're facing foes from that world. You've got uh, an app that reminds me a lot of Journeys in Middle-Earth. It really feels like Fantasy Flight Games is taking a lot of their know-how and experience and combined it to create this completely new gaming experience, but just called it Descent because that's, uh, you know, that's their dungeon crawl name that they have for the world of Terranoth. And the one thing I can safely say, and I, I think we'll talk more about this uh, when we get to our full review, if you have Journeys in the Dark and you have Legends of the Dark, they definitely don't replace each other. They're very much two different games, and I think they're going to give you a very different experience on the table, especially because of the app. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's definitely cool that you've got this 3D terrain, and I mean, so far the combat with the app has been uh, has been interesting. I mean, you're still rolling. Um, it just takes away um, from having to roll the dice uh, for the the villains. Um, but uh, I can't wait. I mean, we've got uh, we've got uh, the dragon built on the side there. I can't wait to see how that dragon comes into play uh, further on in another campaign. Yeah, I get the feeling that our the vaulted part of our table is going to be reserved for this game for quite a while. <laughs> and uh, I do really like the miniatures. I think these are some of the best miniatures that Fantasy Flight Games has ever produced. Uh, one of my complaints, though, is they are fairly flimsy and they're not always that easy to get out of the, uh, the packaging, out of the box. I did end up damaging one of the miniatures. Luckily, uh, it was a very easy fix. As one of the golems, his shield became detached when I was trying to lift him out. So the packaging was definitely not my favorite. And some of the miniatures do feel like if you drop them, they could break. So if you are going to play this with uh, some younger children, you know, just keep that in mind. The minis don't feel the strongest they are. Very beautiful looking, but they are hollowed out plastic there. So it's different than what you're dealing with in terms of Simon minis and other of those uh, chunky uh, injected plastic molds. Well, and I think that's all we can really say at this point with the, the little bit that we've played. Um, I don't really think we have anything more to add. I would definitely say uh, keep an eye out if you're interested. Keep an eye out for a review that's going to be coming in the next few weeks. Yes, and uh, the only thing I will say other than uh, what we've already said, is if you do not like heavy app integration, then this one is not for you. I know people have been asking about how does the app feel, and I've got some few questions about it on Facebook. Now, it doesn't bother us. We play two players running four characters, so we can each see the app constantly. I could see us working it fairly well with three players, but I think it could get a little tricky playing a full four-player game and making sure everyone can see the uh, the app easily. That's the only thing that I will say about that. But for us, it works. Yep. So with that being said, don't forget, keep playing, keep playing games.
Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Morris from Mozart Games, and I am absolutely thrilled that Cardboard Conjecture have asked me to join the fun of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. You can find me on Twitter as SpiderMo, that's Spider with a Y, if you like what you hear and want to give me a follow for board game thoughts, a bit of hockey, and me complaining about random things. This last week, I got in quite a few games, including The Red Cathedral, Town Builder Coverden, Quadropolis, and Papa Paolo. But I want to talk about two other games that I played in this segment, the first of which is a little-known title, Neom. Neom is a city-building game by Paul Sotosanti and published by Lookout Games in 2018. Neom is best described as Seven Wonders with a board. The game is broken up into three eras, and players will be drafting city tiles that have various resources on them, along with residential, industrial, commercial, and civic buildings. Each turn, players will select one of the tiles that's in their hand and add it to their city board, which is divided into a 5x5 five five grid. Tiles must be placed adjacent to previously placed tiles, and roads on the tile must always be able to trace back to the city center that's printed on each player's board. Much like in Seven Wonders, resource collection is imperative, and players need to gather access to those resources early, as more advanced resources that come out later require the basic ones in order to build them. However, if you're unable to collect resources, you can always build what you need from your opponents, if they have them, but you'll be spending your hard-earned cash to do it, which can also be very limited. Tiles can't be rotated, so there's a bit of a puzzle involved in trying to make sure that your roads line up and you don't block yourself from various parts of your board. Instead of placing the tile that you drafted, you can instead discard your chosen tile to build one of your cornerstone tiles that was collected at the start of the game. Those provide huge endgame scoring if you can maximize your potential. You can also just discard the tile that you drafted for $5, which will help you out in a pinch if you're a little bit short on cash and not building any commercial buildings that generate income for you at the end of every era. Resources get more and more valuable as the game progresses, and the income generation of commercial buildings also does. After three eras, endgame scoring is done, and players will score points for their residential neighborhoods, civic buildings, cornerstone tiles, resources produced, and income held at the end of the game. But players lose points for polluting tiles that are adjacent to their residential tiles, and they also lose points if they don't have any power plants or residential buildings in their city. Neom is a great spin on the Seven Wonders game, with an additional puzzle of trying to place your buildings in opportune places on your board so that you don't get painted into a corner. You also need to ensure that you don't place polluting tiles too close to your residential buildings, as you will lose a ton of points at the end of the game. However, Neom is not without its flaws. The icons on many of the tiles are super difficult to figure out, especially on the cornerstone tiles at the start of the game. But the rules for each tile are printed in the back of the rulebook. The initial draft of cornerstone tiles does take a long time because of this. There are also several disaster tiles that show up in every era, and they are hugely punishing for players if you don't have a way to cope with them. They're actually so punishing that we've removed them completely from our games by replacing them with random tiles that are used in higher player counts. It's also a pretty long game for what it offers. The description on the box says 45 minutes, but I feel like it's closer to double that. You might be able to get the game down to a quicker playtime with experience, 
but I don't know how close to 45 minutes you're ever going to get. Also, if you lock yourself out of resources early, be prepared to spend a lot of money purchasing items from your neighbors throughout the game, which can be devastating for newer players. I do enjoy the game, but I'd love to see a second edition that smooths out some of the rough edges from its current design. The other game that I got to play this week was Project L from Boardcupator, which is a very cool Tetrisy type game where players are selecting tiles that have patterns on them that need to be filled with a variety of uniquely sized pieces that you collect in order to complete them. I played it once on TTS and I thought it was a novel concept, but playing with a physical copy really sold me on it as it is an amazingly tactile experience. On your turn, you have three actions and you can do most of those actions any number of times. You can select a puzzle tile from the eight available in the central market, refilling it afterwards. There are basic and advanced puzzles that are in the market. Advanced puzzles are more difficult to complete, but provide a lot more victory points when finished. Or, as an action, you can take a level one piece, which is just a tiny little one-by-one -one piece that goes onto a puzzle tile to help you complete it. Another action is the upgrade action, where you can take any piece that you have and upgrade it to its next level, gives you a larger size piece which fills out more parts of a puzzle tile and they come in a variety of sizes and shapes. The action that you'll want to take a fair amount is place a piece onto your puzzle, which is how you complete your tiles and will be done a lot through the game. The other action that you can only take once per round is the master build action, where you can place one piece onto each of your puzzles that you have in front of you, allowing you to add more pieces and complete puzzles faster. You can have up to four puzzles in front of you at any time, so the master build can be very powerful once you get your engine going. As soon as a puzzle is completed, you'll score it by turning it face down into a score pile in front of you, and very often completing puzzles will also provide you with a new piece that can be used on future puzzles. All pieces used to complete a puzzle are also returned to your supply, so as the game progresses you move from only having two pieces to having ten or more by the end of the game. Being able to reuse pieces is crucial, and ensuring that you have a variety of sizes will allow you to take any puzzle tile in the market, giving you more options than someone who has a less variety of different shaped pieces. All of the components in Project L are really satisfying to hold. The puzzle tiles and the Tetris pieces are all a dense plastic material, reminiscent of Azul tiles, but smaller. The puzzle tiles are recessed so the pieces fit nicely inside them without moving around, and are nice and chunky. The pieces themselves beg to be played with between your turns, creating little designs in front of you, or just playing with them in your hands. Gameplay moves quickly so there isn't a lot of downtime, and there's plenty of opportunity to make clever plays, where you complete one puzzle, getting a new piece that fits perfectly into another puzzle that you're working on. There's a bunch of expansions available for the game too that adds new puzzle tiles and pieces of more complex shapes, and I see this as being a hidden gem that many people will miss out on due to its limited retail availability. If you like games like Number 9 and Azul, I think Project L would be a great fit into your game library. It's certainly worth a look. So that's what I've been playing this week. Once again, I'm Chris Morris from Mozart Games. If you liked what you heard from me and want to see and hear more, I can be found on Twitter as Spidermo. Thanks for listening, and may all your dice rolls be critical successes. Hello.
everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And this week we didn't know if we were actually going to be able to mm. do this for the first time. Uh, because we've been dealing with what, Anna-Marie? A wildfire. Yes, wildfires. Our, pretty much our front yard yes. almost. <laughs> BC, well known for their forest fires. And we had one crazy one coming down the hill at us last night. And we had the computer and everything... Uh, Packed up and packed ready up to go. And ready to roll, but we've had a pretty good uh, a good day on the front lines there with the fires. So we thought we might just get this stuff out while we can and do this. So here we are. So here we go. <laughs> we uh, we've only played one game really over the last uh, week, and this game we got kind of by surprise. So we were down picking up a game that I'd pre-ordered uh, like a year and a half ago. And we picked that up. But what was sitting on the shelf when we went in to pick that up, Anna-Marie? Descent. Legends of the Dark was sitting on the shelf. Yeah. So one <laughs> copy of Descent was sitting on the shelf. And I know there are people who hadn't even got their Kickstarter uh, versions of this or their pre-orders of this uh, yet. And it was just sitting there. I was like, oh, my goodness. So we grabbed that as well. And we threw the other one to the side for the time being. And we brought this home. And we've been playing it ever since. And, yeah, so Descent. Legends of the Dark. So this is the newest version of Descent. I guess there was an original Descent and then a Descent 2nd Edition. But now this is the kind of... They don't call it 3rd Edition, but it kind of is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's designed by Kara Senteldunk and Nathan Hayek, or Hayek, uh, published by Fantasy Flight. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so what... To, I haven't what played about any of the other Descents. Nor have I. Nor <laughs> have I. Um, but I've looked into them, but uh, this one seems to be very similar to the other ones, as far as I can tell. But this game is, uh, as opposed to the other ones, I don't think the other two were, uh, or at least not as heavily, app-oriented. So this one comes with an app much similar to the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth app. Uh, just a bit cleaner maybe even um and i think with uh with journeys in middle earth that everything was kind of like on the on the app whereas this one you create a board on the table which is well, no the board was well was it? it was just not nearly as elaborate well i guess that's why i'm not yeah, yeah that's what, true what um descent is bringing to the table here is that what makes got this one stand out crazy <laughs> amount of elaborate uh practical pieces for you to put together with you're making 3d uh scenarios as you as you uh, go through each scenario you're building out the board even further and further and it's it, you're going upstairs and you're putting in gates and and lots of obstacles so it's all 3d and oh it's neat awesome having components. having that 3d element um you know it's not necessary but man it makes the it makes the game it looks look good incredible yeah it looks amazing it's on like the table. oh that's so cool and yeah. like rules where you can um, you can move off of like a, um, a higher space, but you can't jump back onto it unless it's like a staircase. And yeah. it's neat. Just oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah, you can't. It just looks climb really up pretty. Third level, unless there's a staircase to do so. And yeah, it's just it's so cool. Uh, the app is really well made, and it's relatively easy to follow along with. There are some things that we've run into where we didn't quite know what we were supposed to do, but then we would just kind of apply some simple logic to it, and it would work yeah the, the one thing they said which hasn't really worked for us was that whenever there's a yellow word it should be like a glossary and yeah we can't we seem to get to it to work on, on the it. app it doesn't work because i'm pretty sure it said you could click on them originally but whatever we, we, we obviously missed something using google and figuring <laughs> things out as we go but we're getting better and better at it we we've played three scenarios i believe three or four scenarios yeah and um uh, we lost one 
But I think we were doing a few things wrong in that one. That was the second mission. Yes. And we, we were still figuring things, things out in yeah. that one for sure. We opened up way too much of the map. Yeah, and, and we got uh, overwhelmed. And, yeah, it's like, oh, Yeah, I was stuck right. on one side getting massacred by the by the bandits and things. So, it, I don't know, but, it's interesting, yeah. though. I like the, the story that's unfolding so far. Yeah. Kind of getting to know the characters, Even though we did nice. fail that mission, it still mm-hmm. continues on. And it actually changed the, the, the course of our game. Because it says, oh, you failed this mission. And because of that, this, 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 and this happened. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. interesting. But the characters are really cool. I actually quite like all the options. There's, yeah. There's the dragon... Varix. Uh, yeah, Varix, the dragon person, wizard... Wizard Lizard, as we yeah, called wizard him before. And, or was <laughs> that was Ryan. Ryan called that? Yeah, <laughs> the Wizard, wizard lizard. lizard. But now we call him <laughs> Wizard Lizard. And there's a, a cool Bryn. She's this big, like, Amazon-style warrior. Um, there's a cat guy. Chance. Chance. There's a... Dwarf named Keely or Kaylee. Or yeah, and she makes and... and uh, forges armor, forges which is Forges our stuff, and we get to upgrade thematic. our... Yeah, it's really cool. She's, she's forging stuff for us and, and fixing things. Galadin. Galadin. He's like the, the Legolas-style elf. elf with a huge longbow. Really cool. And, some, and, and wicked swords. And Cyrus, he has like a, a phoenix. Yeah, he's a, he's a wizard too. Right? Some kind. I don't know. Yeah, we, think, haven't, we haven't played with him yeah, yet. I'm not sure. <laughs> so but I'm no, the sure. characters are really cool. Uh, the box is really neat. The it, box um, is neat. It's yeah, I made a couple it. different videos for this game. So when, right when we got it, I did an unboxing of it just to show you what was in the box and blah, blah, blah. But then Anna Maria had the idea of doing a reboxing video to see if we could actually get everything back into the box. And I was able to easily do that. But if you check out the video, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, there's a lot to put back in that box. Once you put everything together, there's a lot going back in there. And they have it's neat. I've never seen it before where they have like a um, an insert, uh, a cardboard insert that kind of makes a ledge, like yeah, a, a shelf a around the first layer the bottom box. box. And it allows you to put the middle layer in with like heavier stuff so the pieces don't get crushed. It's, it's neat. Yeah. I've never seen it before. Yeah, all your cardboard Big components box. can sit nicely <laughs> but, safely down in the bottom. Yeah. And then all the other stuff gets kind of piled on its own shelf because it would not be realistic to try to to try to fit those pieces together every time (laughs) no 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 and they recognize that they did and it 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 fits beautifully it's really really nice um so yeah we've been really enjoying uh descent legends liking it so far interested to yeah we're gonna keep going with it get better at it uh, hopefully we can get this game finished uh you know in the next few months that time and then we'd be uh ready for frost haven whenever that arrives when that comes out yeah but uh no Really, uh, really digging it. Descent Legends of the Dark. Um, you can check out our videos for that on our YouTube page of the same name. And uh, we dropped our first uh, ever podcast yeah. episode last week. So That was fun. Yeah, it's it's a long one. Um, <laughs> they won't usually be that long, but but uh, it yeah, was a journey, like the you next, said. <laughs> the next few will be quite a bit shorter and with a little bit more direction and structure. But yeah, if you want to check that out, it's the Meeple Dungeon podcast. And you can find that on all your major podcast streaming services um well that as far as i know um, we're still figuring that out but i think <laughs> yeah. they're all out there i might as be missing on a few of them but you'll find it on uh, most of them anyway we'll get that sorted but and then uh later tonight if you're um if you're listening on wednesday yeah I'll you be taking and ryan. ryan in game four he's up two to one so i gotta tie up the series yeah. so yeah but we gotta run so we'll see you next week cheers see ya Hey everybody, this is Norm. Sorry, eh? We are going to sneak in, like rewind back to last week, 
And uh, we're going to sneak in Friday night game submission because they had some technical difficulties in uploading. And we, we got we to gotta let it roll. So here you go. Here's last week's segment. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday Night Games. You can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, on our website at Friday Night Games, and on TikTok at... Friday Night Games. No, oh, that was easy. I didn't even realize that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, today, John, um, the guys at Bridge City Board Gamers really want to do an episode of the three games that will never, ever, ever leave our collection. What do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I feel like I have to, pick, I have to pick like my favorite game. That's hard. I know. I have a lot of games on my shelf that I'm like, dude, these are all awesome. They'll yeah. never leave. Hold on, I'll be, I'll be right. And, uh, I'll just go pick a random game. Okay, you do it. Yeah. What'd you get? Okay, I'm back. What'd you get? Uh, I just closed my eyes and reached up and I grabbed Everdell. What? No way. That was the game you got in your hands. Yeah. Wow. Why? Why should that never leave your collection? Okay. So. <clears throat> <clears throat> I uh so when I first saw Everdell, I kind of really didn't think it was a real game. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this beautiful board. It's got this uh giant three-dimensional tree um and beautiful wooden animal meeples. And I think I just wanted to buy it for like the aesthetically pleasing aspect of this game. Mm-hmm. It just looked pretty. And the artwork's very nice, et cetera, et cetera. But then I brought it home. And it was kind of like the first board game I brought home that wasn't uh, like one of the classics. Um, yeah, it wasn't Catan. Brought home and I played, right? And I played it home, brought it home, played my wife, and like we both like instantly fell in love with it. Like we just really enjoyed playing the game, and you know we kind of dedicated um, a night in the week as date nights, and we would often play Everdell. Um, so because we liked the game so much, we bought all the expansions and uh, had played through the expansions and I'm waiting for the new Kickstarter expansions to, to come whenever that will be. Um, and knowing that the game is like complete now, we can just enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's a ton of fun. I, I really enjoy that game and uh, it has some sentimental values. So that's why it's not leaving my collection. Sweet. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to just close my eyes and I'm just going to go randomly choose a game. All right. So Sounds good. Here we go. Oh, I pulled. Uh, wow, this game is from the same year as Everdell. It's a Root by Leader Games. Check nice. that out. This is never leaving my collection. Okay, it is a like super complex. Actually, you know what? I actually didn't think I'd love this game as much as I do. Uh, when we originally played it, I'm like, this game is so complex and hard. I hate it. <laughs> and none of us had a good time yeah. playing it. You, you know, remember correctly. You know, you know, you know what I think. Mm. I'm glad that you bought it for yourself and not for me. Okay, why is that? Because you read the rules. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done that. And there's a lot of rules. Yeah, and I right. think I think one of the the things that really made it fun was that um, you get the clockwork expansion and you start learning how to play the solo game, and and then that kind of helps you teach other people, and then that's what makes the game fun. 
Nice. Um, other than that, the game is really terrible if you have a group of people trying to learn it at the same time. <laughs> but honestly, I'll, I'll never let it leave my collection because you'll never find it. Right. <laughs> All right. So, John, maybe we should both close our eyes and go to our shelf and uh, choose a game, and hopefully it'll be the same game. All right. Okay, ready? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got my game. Did you get your game? <sighs> Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> wow. How did that happen? Is it because oh. there's a million versions and we have so many sitting on our shelf that we both just grabbed one and the chances were super high? That the <laughs> probability of getting Monopoly was just through the roof? Yes. <laughs> this was not planned at all. No, totally. Uh, okay. So I know we're probably going to get a lot of hate for this. And, Good. Um, Bring on the that's hate. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? Monopoly needs to be in your freaking collection. Okay. You know I'm going to play gangster game. here. Yeah. Look at this. And this is why. <laughs> and this is why. So, you did not go through your childhood without playing Monopoly. You've got some deep rooted, uh, deep rooted emotional attachment to that game, whether you love it or hate it. You don't play the rules right. I know you don't play the rules right. So what I want you guys to do and ladies to do is go home, grab Monopoly off your shelf, put it on the table, read the damn rules, and play the game. This game has so much sentimental value for like your parents, your grandparents, yourself. It's got a kajillion themes. They got a freaking Bojack Horseman one. Like, La- ladies and gentlemen, okay. you'll 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 find something that you love. And then and then go pick up the junior one and play that with your children and see how much fun they have playing it. Yeah. And like, if you don't want to play and if you don't want to play Monopoly, the board game, go to the go to the go to freaking like Walmart, buy Monopoly deal. That game is unreal. And I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love Monopoly deal. So there's a version of Monopoly that you will love, I guarantee it. On that note, drop the mic. See y'all later. <laughs> if you like what you hear. Uh, no, we're done. We're night. done, John. <laughs> See y'all later. <laughs> Peace. Hey there, it's Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And let's go to the Facebook page. And we'll check out the What You've Been Playing Wednesday thread and we'll see what the community has been playing. And uh, first up, we have uh, Ryan. Ryan did not have the opportunity to put a segment out, so let's uh, have a look what he's been playing. Ryan, let's see. Juicy Fruits. Oh, yeah. I want to play that game. Raiders of the North Sea, Santa Monica, and Kingsburg. Ooh, Kingsburg. Dice. Good game. Uh, Also... Started my campaign of Descent Legends of the Dark, which uh, one of the most high-quality dungeon-crawling experiences I've played. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have uh, some views, or maybe I might have some plays. Let's, let's We can only hope. Uh, let's see. Jeff has played Broom Service, Cartographers, Century, the Gollum Edition, and Century Spice Road. We can't choose, so we get to play both. Uh, Dice Forge, Praga Kaput Regni, 
<laughs> I love seeing that name. Uh, Pulsar 2849. Ooh, you're in a, it's interesting because I'm going to talk about underwater cities, and we've got some some Suchi uh, titles there. Uh, Trails of Tukawana, I think. Uh, and there we go, underwater cities and whistle stop. So, oh, Jeff, good lineup. Fan- fantastic lineup. Uh, let's see. Eli has been playing Spirit Island. And you know what? I could play that one all week. That game is fantastic. All right. Hands. Hands. <laughs> he said, I got lots. So let's see. Trails of Takana, the Fox in the Forest, Tasimasi, Underwater Cities, yay. Pulsar 2049, Space Base, Wingspan, Floor Plan, the Castles of Burgundy, the Dice Game, Silver and Gold, Mountain Goats. Wow. Wow. Once again, when do you sleep? Okay, moving on. We have Travis. Like Hans, we were camping for a week, played Lords of Waterdeep, Wizard, Ola, Codenames, and then with some of the brothers' kids, Garbage and War. Yeah, that'll keep the kids going. Play play War, and then take out like three cards. Um, Jason, life was too busy, no games this week. Well, you played the game of life, right? It was a thematic immersion theme. Yeah, take that, Dave. All right, Lane played Santa Monica, Scoville with Mad Lab and Black Orchestra. Oh, Black Orchestra is one of my favorite uh, co-op games. And I mean, and the theme is, is just awesome. Um, Roberta played uh, Binding of Isaac, meh, and Root, fun but a little too complicated. Um, yeah, you got to be dedicated to Root. That's for sure. That's a lot of, that's a lot of layers of thinking and layers of teaching. Tim, Necromunda. Yes, I think that's the 40k thing. Blackout Hong Kong, great game. That was played by Chris, and uh, Jeff agrees. I really enjoy that game. John, on the weekend we taught some <laughs> victim space corp. Uh, played three plays. Yeah, GMT doing some space fine. Yeah, I have that one. That's a great game. Robo Rally. Yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with that one. Uh, Ian played a couple of games of Bullet Heart. Um, I ordered that one. Let's see if my daughter likes that one. Uh, Rival Restaurants and Era Medieval Age. I recommend all of these, he says. Yes, those are awesome titles. And uh, like I had said, uh, I had the opportunity to... <laughs> do a lot of solo gaming. Uh, my daughter and my wife are uh, holidaying, visit, visiting their friends, their close, close friends that moved up there uh, last summer. And we were not, we were unable, oh, COVID, we were unable to actually, you know, visit with them. So uh, we, I just told them, hey, go fly up there and Daniel and I can hang out at the house. And that's what we've been doing. So I played some underwater cities, like a lot. And I played the solo version. And uh, yeah, as far as solo plays go, I think I'm going to like start putting out some, uh, some lists of uh, what, what games have great uh, uh, intuitive AI systems and what are just kind of like, you know, ma- <laughs> mail it in. And this one was not a mail it in kind of thing. It was challenging because of the, uh, 
occupation of the spaces. Now, if you've never played underwater cities, I'm going to make a bold statement here. I might have, I'm going to have some, some uh, aggressors that, uh, that might take, uh, take some, uh, some, some uh, off not offense, but just might uh, raise an eyebrow to what I'm going to say here. Underwater cities, and this is my subjective uh, opinion, my conjecture, um, I enjoy underwater cities a lot more than terraforming Mars. Um, I think uh, uh, I think what I like about this is the. I mean, they're okay. Here's the thing: they're both city builders. They're both engine builders. They both have the same uh, itch that is for me is is uh, is scratched when it comes to city building, uh, card playing. Uh, um, resource generation and management and and dispersal uh yeah so but i for some reason i i think it's because i i'm i sh i have uh i have uh, a, a, a vladimir suchi title from way back called shipyard and i think that's where i kind of dialed into the designer's approach to those systems and i think no, I'm not going to say I think. I know. I know. I know I appreciate his interpretation of all of these moving parts a lot better than the Terraforming Mars. Now, again, I'll play Terraforming Mars, but I prefer Underwater Cities. And uh, I ordered the expansion because, you know, city building, engine building. What do you need more of? More cards. So I got some cards um and uh yeah that's about it and daniel and i played some crokinole i mean playing crokinole that's just like you know your, your morning stretch kind of thing it has to be done so as always that being said thank you so much for listening and of course of course we cannot continue without saying thank you to all the content creators out there who uh every week take some time and let us know what they've been playing Wednesday. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? <laughs>